I'm your host, Anna. Today we have two uh, fantastic guests who actually are friends. Um, and as you saw, they are going to talk about adaptability and in their lives. And actually have shared a passion, which is rugby. And they're going to touch on that. So without further ado, welcome Teddy and Ryan. Karibuni sana. Hello, 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 hello. Thank you very much for having us, for having me. Hi, Ted, let's go with you. Tell us who you are. Majinazako Kamili, all those kind of things, all that good stuff. My name is Teddy Philip Mondi. Uh-huh. Uh, the village hero from Kisumu. <laughs> 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 Who, uh, through rugby, got to see the world. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And uh, I used to play for Kenya Sirens and uh, ended up playing rugby professionally in France. And right now I'm a coach in France. So well, thank you for having me and uh, yeah, let's keep it rolling. Amazing. That's great. Hi, Brian. Let us know who you are and let us uh, know if you are really here as well. <laughs> I think, I don't know. I think I am, but hey, let's see. <laughs> My name is uh, Brian William Nikuli. Um, like Teddy, I happen to play for Kenya Sevens and Kenya Fifteens. I think I can say I've, I've been fortunate enough to be the only captain to take the Kenya Fifteens side to number 22 in the world. So that's one thing I'm grateful for. Mm-hmm. And uh, currently, I'm a sales manager. I work in a real estate firm, but I also play rugby for the only club that uh, is beating guys in Kenya, Kenya Commercial Bank. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you didn't know his name was William. Eh? You didn't know his name was William? No, I'm sure you, you didn't know his name was William. No, neither guy noted your coach. <laughs> <laughs> And how yes. did you get into rugby? What, what, what was that that led you to rugby? Like I've seen you saying, eh, soccer is. I mean, I don't know what soccer is. I know football, but um, <laughs> how did you get into rugby? What led you into it? Um, I used to play when I was in primary school. I used to play basketball with my sister, and uh, it got to a place where I was like, you know what? I, I enjoyed basketball, but when I went to high school, I was like. Uh, I didn't like how the team was. Then I remembered one thing. There's a time we used to live in Garden Estate. We used mm-hmm. to have a family friend that was actually a rugby coach in, in uh, Brayburn. So there's a time he, in Brayburn, uh, Garden Estate. So there's a time he invited me and guys were playing touch rugby. So I got into it and I was passing and all that. And I was like, actually, this is, it's an interesting sport. Yeah? And I was like, you know what? It's something that I'd want to pursue if I find it. So by the time I was going to Kakamega High School, I didn't know they had rugby. So when I saw the goalpost, I remember when I was walking uh, into the school, I remember telling myself, wow, that's the sport I actually tried once when I was in class seven. You know, I was like, it will be awesome to, to retry it again and see like how it is. So I remember my first session, I went to the basketball court, uh, we, did, we did training, and I didn't like the reception. So when I went back Why to Why did club, you like it? What was wrong about the reception? 
there was a bit of there was like a segregation guys who come from Nairobi and Mombasa they were, they were, they were actually like a clique and then the guys who were we had really good guys who were coming yeah. from Western and Nyanza. yes <laughs> so they were segregated you know and I didn't like that because I was in my in my in my thought as I was growing up I always believed that there's no I in team if you're mm-hmm. a team you're a team there's no I you know so mm-hmm. remember when I went to class, I was like, you know what, let me let me go to the rugby field tomorrow and see how it is. I remember when I was walking to the field, I met a, a bunch of brothers actually who were walking down to go to the field. And they're like, hey, welcome, welcome. Uh, and the reception actually it made me feel like I belonged. Yeah. I think that's, that's when I got that spark and I was like, you know what, I feel I'm home and this is it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then the rest is history. Uh, trained with them, I was fortunate enough uh, uh, to get very good players in, uh, when I was in Form One, mm-hmm. and they actually helped me fast track my play. Uh, just to mention a few, like the, the former coach of Kenya Sevens, Paul Murunga, was my captain then. Ah. Uh, yes, then there's Danweko also. He was uh, he was in Form Three then. Uh, he really assisted me in terms of the fitness things. Because you know when you you're from primary, you're used to you are a kachabi chabi guy. You're used to corn <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. So you've gone to a hard school. <laughs> so I was a bit chabi and all that. So you imagine how I had to learn. Uh, to go for road work in the morning and all those kind of things, do push-ups in school, uh, sit-ups, just to try and get my body in shape. Mm-hmm. In shape. We all, yeah, we all know rugby is a contact sport. So whether whether in high school or where you had to do something extra for you to be to, for your body to be ready to take that impact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's fun. Actually, you've you've mentioned two things for because we have listeners across the world, uh, including places like Suriname, honestly, and probably uh-huh. they may understand um, what he said about uh, segregation. So I'll just give an, a little snippet because uh, I'm from Kenya and in high school in Bodies, there are schools depending on you know if you come from the city if you go to a provincial school uh, outside of the city and there was always this thing of cliques whereby uh you're from the if you're Nairobi the capital mm. the better you know breed kind of thing and this really created a lot of uh things and even bullying to some to certain certain extent in yeah. <laughs> In my school, it was the same because I went to St. Girls, and there was a bit of that. Though most of the world came from Nairobi, but you could also it, it narrowed down from where you come from, and that hasn't changed. When I moved to England and I joined high school here, it, it was also a bit of that uh, where you're from, you know, where you live, which neighborhood, and it's crazy how that can shoot down a young person. And if you're not careful, if you I'm glad you found people who you could click with and could bring you up, because that would have killed the spirit yeah. and said that I don't want to do this thing, you know. Um, if people just walk the plane, and it's funny you said about them accepting you how you were physically, because I know in certain schools, if you are a bit chubby and you're going to try out for rugby, they'll be like laughing at you and be like, ah, oh, you you stay to the side. They can give you a ball or something like that. You know, there's a, there's a bit of also uh, body shaming in high school. I remember uh, when we wanted to try out for sports, somehow you couldn't be big or chubby and play sports. And and I saw a lot of people who were damaged by that kind of concept. And it was a very bad concept because I know some of them, most amazing athletes and 
um, what people are not necessarily in the body shape we think they should be in. So that kudos to the same um so Ted, when did for, you for, for us rugby guys it, it was a bit different because the body shaming was uh was uh, the size of your biceps yeah true 12 inch bicep 16 inch bicep wow so you have to be you have to work hard you know like some of us are not lucky like to be like uh, brand nicole used to eat a lot of bread the way you adapt to that environment in high school mm-hmm. is what actually because you'd find the same that more or less same environment when you go to your national team mm-hmm. so the way you adapt actually shapes you to be able to adapt better and well in uh, in a different stage you know in a higher stage exactly and that it's true that you've mentioned that because i i think we don't talk a lot about how people are selected for the national team i know there's always controversy you read the papers about uh our wonderful and all this kind of thing but you really don't talk about how selection and if you're selected you know do is it gelling right away So it's, it's probably you could touch on on that Marino Teddy and how you got selected what you get a code what's the yeah a letter I have never really understood so maybe you can get a light Okay for oh, Teddy or myself <laughs> who goes first Teddy can first then Ted will go yes Okay then for for me I can say one of the things that actually really assisted in terms of getting selected in the national team was the club choice Mm-hmm. Uh, after, after after high school, I was actually called to go to Impala, and I remember when when uh-huh. uh, I finished Impala Impala Rugby Club. So when I finished yeah. my last my last exam in November, mm-hmm. I remember I came home. Then I told my mom, "Hey, the, I've gotten a letter from uh, Impala, and they they're interested in me going to play for them. So I I want you to take me so that I can be able to meet the secretary who had actually sent the letter to school." The secretary then happened to be Gordon Kararuga. He's actually one of the referees. Yeah. Yeah. So we went, we met him. Then he was like, ah, there's no, there's no money you pay to join the club. All we need him to do is just come for training. And then from there, he'll be trained. Uh, how he becomes better is how he'll be able to uh, to be selected to play for whichever side, be it the, the second side or the first team. So mm-hmm. I started training in December and I think that's how uh, again we met with Ted because you know we were from high school and then we are here again in the national you know, in the club so and I can say we are fortunate enough we've been fortunate enough that I I never played for the second side in Impala and I can comfortably say also for Ted Ted never played for seconds oh. you can imagine these are two young guys who just come from high school and suddenly there's a potential that we'll see Mm-hmm. and uh, i remember i got selected to play for the local sevens team for impala mm-hmm. we were there with ted uh ted, ted has always been a stepper and you know then uh, those are the things that actually because you need someone who can be able to play maker in, in sevens uh-huh. playing yeah. yeah so 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 it shone for him and he was selected first and then i remember mm-hmm. around when we played i think three circuits three local circuits that's when now my coach told me that then the coach for seven was Bill Gizinji, who was still oh. the 
yeah, who was still the Impala coach. So, so he okay, told yeah. me, hey, I've seen so much potential in you, and there's something I want to tell you before you see on the papers. I've actually called into the national team. I was like, wow. So for me, I was in shock because I, I wasn't sure whether he was bluffing or he was serious. Uh-huh. So when yeah, so when they actually announced the guys that have actually called the national team, I was like, wow, wow, wow I think I've made it. And this is it for me. Yeah. Okay. So I think yeah, it, and I thank God for going to Impala because Ted will attest to me with uh, to this. There were so many good players in Impala. Mm-hmm. You literally had to work yourself uh, off your yeah. your yeah. You, you just had to do anything possible to make sure that you actually stand out because Impala was the the club then. When you talk exactly. about Ngong, yeah, if you are talking about Ngong Road Club, it was either you're going to Impala or you're going to Queens because uh, they were very. This rivalry for today is not even as much as it was when us guys. Exactly, that's what I remember. So, yeah. So I think that pushed us to the next level and it made us be able to tell each other and we used to share a lot with tell, tell each other. We are not going down, you know. Push mm-hmm. me, I push. Push me, I push you like that. So I we happened to go to the national team. And uh, thank God we played for a couple of years. And uh, yeah, the rest has just been a very good journey. Yeah. Oh, okay. So how, what would you say was, how did you prepare your mind when you got into the, to the club scene, first of all, uh, so that you can stand out? What, how did you adapt? What did you do? Um, I know, yes, there's the normal things, you train hard, you make sure, you yeah. know, you're showing up and stuff. But what was your kind of like your roadmap? What was it that you decided that you're going to do that you can stand out? Uh, for me, the first thing, uh, I, I always put God ahead because ever since I come from a uh, Christian background, Mm-hmm. So one thing I put God ahead because everything you do, you do for him. Why not for his strength and not being able to to get where I am right now? Then the second thing I did was actually evaluate all the players because I was playing flank. If you look at the flankers then, those guys were malicious. Yeah? <laughs> they were really, really, really rough. And yeah. uh, here I am from, from high school, so they already have a, a, an advantage over me because their bodies are conditioned and all that. Mm-hmm. So I went and negotiated with my dad. I told my dad, you know, I'm playing for this club and I have a can- see a potential of me playing really far so um, all i'm negotiating with you is please pay for me uh, a gym where i can be able to start conditioning my body and all that the other thing was also to start eating right because you know mm-hmm. you can just be eating fries and all that and expect to go and perform in the field so okay. slowly by slowly by slowly my body started uh, taking shape and then I could, I could easily be able to compete now with the likes of Pilodongo, uh, who are really huge, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, guys of like Akina Benja, who are really uh, big also. And Benja was a really good tackler. And that mm-hmm. is, for me, Benja was actually my role model when I was coming from high school. I used to enjoy how he was playing and I was telling myself, I have to be better than he is, you know. Yeah, so for me, it really pushed me here. Conditioning was a very, very key thing for me. And I think also when Teddy went to the national team before me, he used to tell me, hey, bro, we we are not gymming. Us guys in the national team are gymming. So I used to take the feedback he's giving me and also try on my own. To try yeah. 
understand how yes. did you get what 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 was that that led you to rugby like i've seen you saying eh, soccer is i mean i don't know what soccer is i know football but um <laughs> how did you get into rugby what led you into it um i used to play when i was in primary school i used to play basketball with my sister and uh, it got to a place where i was like you know what i i enjoyed basketball but when i went to high school i was like uh, i didn't like how the team was then i remembered one thing there's a time we used to live in garden estate we used mm-hmm. to have a family friend that was actually a rugby coach in, in uh, braben so there's a time he, in braben uh, garden estate so there's a time he invited me and guys were playing touch rugby so i got into it and i was passing and all that and i was like actually it's, like, it's an interesting sport yeah? and i was like you know what it's something that i don't want to pursue if i find it so by the time i was going to the Kameda high school i didn't know they had rugby so when i saw the goalpost i remember when I walking uh, into the school i remember telling myself wow that's the sport i actually tried once when i was in class 7 you know i was like it will be awesome to to retry it again and see like how it is So I remember my first session I went to the basketball court uh, we, did, we did training and I didn't like the reception. So when I went Why did you like it? What was wrong about the reception? There was a bit of there was like a segregation. Guys who come from Nairobi and Mombasa they were, they were, they were uh-huh. actually like a clique and then the guys who were, we had really good guys who were coming yeah. from Western and Tanzania. Yes. <laughs> so they were segregated, you know, and I didn't like that because I was in my in my in my thought as I was growing up I always believed that there's no I in team if you're mm-hmm. a team you're a team there's no I you know so mm-hmm. remember when I went to class I was like you know what let me let me go to the rugby field tomorrow and see how it is I remember when I was walking to the field I met a, a bunch of brothers actually who were walking down to go to the field and they're like hey welcome welcome here. Uh, and the reception actually made me feel like I belonged yeah I think that's, that's when i got that spark and i was like you know what i feel i'm home and this is it mm-hmm. yeah then the rest is history uh, trained with them i was fortunate enough and, and, and to get very good players in uh, when i was in form one mm-hmm. and they actually helped me fast track my play uh, just to mention a few like the the former coach of kenya sevens paul murunga was my captain then Ah. Uh, yeah, then there's Danweko also. He was uh, he was in form three then. Uh, he really assisted me in terms of the fitness things. Because you know when you you're from primary, you're used to you are a kachabi chabi guy. You're used to going <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. So you've gone to a hard school. <laughs> so I was a bit chabi and all that. So you imagine how I had to learn. Uh, to go for road work in the morning and all those kind of things. Do push-ups in school. Uh, sit ups just to try and get my body in shape mm-hmm. because in shape. we all yeah we all know rugby is a contact sport so whether whether in high school or where you had to do something extra for you to be to, for your body to be ready to take that impact yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. that's fun actually you've you've mentioned two things for because we have listeners across the world and mm-hmm. including places like Suriname honestly and probably uh-huh. the main understand um what he said about uh, segregation so i'll just give a, a little snippet because uh, i'm from kenya and in high school in budget there are schools depending on you know if you come from the city if you go to a provincial school uh, outside of the city and there was always this thing of cliques whereby uh you're from the if you're from nairobi the capital 
mm-hmm. like the better you know breed kind of thing and this really created a lot of uh things and even bullying to some to certain extent in yeah. in my school it was the same because i went to state of girls and there's a bit of that though most girls came from nairobi but you could also it narrowed down from where you come from and that hasn't changed when i moved to Eastern and i joined high school here it, it was also a bit of that uh where you're from you know where you live which neighborhood and it's crazy how that can shoot down a young person and if you're not careful if you i'm glad you found people who you could click with and could bring you up because that would have killed the spirit yeah. and say that i don't want to do this thing you know um if people with the plane and it's funny you said about them accepting you how you are physically because i know in certain schools if you are a bit chubby and you're going to try out for rugby they'll be like laughing at you and be like uh oh, you you stay to the side they can give you a ball or something like that you know there's a, there's a bit of also uh, body shaming in high school i remember uh when wanted to try out for sports somehow you put into be big or chubby and play sports and and I saw a lot of people who were damaged by that kind of concept and it was a very bad concept because I know some of them most of them they athletes and um what people are not necessarily in the body shape we think they should be in so that could have been very interesting Um uh, so Ted when did for, you for, for us rugby guys it, it was a bit different because the body shaming was uh, was uh, the size of your biceps yeah <laughs> <laughs> true we went to a 12 inch bicep was your English to a 16 inch bicep wow so you have to you have to work hard you know like some of us were not lucky like to be like uh, brand cool you used to eat a lot of bread Let's keep our our shots so that yeah, to make an account to count the biceps. And you see, the way the way you adapt to that environment in high school mm-hmm. is what actually because you'd find the same that more or less same environment when you go to your national team. Mm-hmm. So the way you adapt actually shapes you to be able to adapt better and well in uh, in a different stage, you know, in a higher stage. Exactly. And that it's true that you've mentioned that because I I think we don't talk a lot about how people are selected for the national team. I know there's always controversy. You read the papers about uh our wonderful football and all this kind of thing. But you really don't talk about how selection is done and if you're selected, you know, do is it gelling right away? So it's, it's probably you could touch on on that Marino Teddy and how you got selected what you get a call what's the get a letter I have never really understood so maybe you can get a light Okay for oh, Teddy or myself <laughs> who goes first It's the first then Ted will go yes Okay then for for me I can say one of the things that actually really assisted in terms of getting selected in the national team was the club choice Mm-hmm. Uh, after, after after high school i was actually called to go to impala and i remember when 
when uh, I finished Ipala, Ipala Rugby Club. So when I finished yeah. my last my last exam in November, mm-hmm. I remember I came home then I told my mom, hey, the, I've gotten a letter from uh, Impala and they, they're interested in me going to play for them. So I, I want you to take me so that I can be able to meet the secretary who had actually sent the letter to school. The secretary then happened to be Gordon Kararuga. He's actually yeah. one of the referees. Yeah. Yeah. So we went. We met him. Then he was like, ah, "There's no, there's no money you pay him to join the club. All we need him to do is just come for training, and then from there he'll be trained. Uh, how he becomes better is how he'll be able to uh, to be selected to play for whichever side, be it the the second side or the first team. So mm-hmm. I started training in December, and I think that's how uh, again we met with Ted because you know we we're from high school, and then we are here again in the national, you know, in the club. So. And I can say we are fortunate enough. We've been fortunate enough that I I never played for the second side in Impala. And I can comfortably say also for Ted, Ted never played for seconds. You can imagine. These are two young guys who just come from high school and suddenly there's a potential that we'll see. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember I got selected to play for the local sevens team for Impala. Mm-hmm. We were there with Ted. Uh, Ted. Ted has always been a stepper. And you know, then... Uh, those are the things that actually, because you need someone who can be able a playmaker in, in seven uh-huh. for playing for life. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so it shone for him, and he was selected first. And then I remember around when we played, I think three circuits, three local circuits. That's when now my coach told me that then the coach for seven was Bill Givinji, who was still uh-huh. the yeah, who was still the Impala coach. So, so he okay, told yeah. me, hey, I've seen so much potential in you, and there's something I want to tell you before you see on the papers. I've actually called you to the national team. I was like, wow. So for me, I was in shock because I, I wasn't sure whether he was bluffing or he was serious. Uh-huh. So when yeah, so when they actually announced the guys that have actually called to the national team, I was like, wow, wow, wow I think I've made it. And this is it for me. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So I think yeah, it. And I thank God for going to Impala because Ted will attest to me with uh, to this. There were so many good players in Impala. Mm-hmm. You literally had to work yourself uh, off your yeah. your yeah. You, you just had to do anything possible to make sure that you actually stand out because Impala was the the club then. When you talk exactly. about Ngong, yeah, if you are talking about Ngong Road Club, it was either you're going to Impala or you're going to Queens because uh, they were very. This rivalry for today is not even as much as it was when us guys. Exactly, that's such a yeah. So I think that pushed us to the next level and it made us be able to tell each other and we used to share a lot with tell, tell each other we are not going down, you know, push mm-hmm. me and push. Push me, I push you like that. So I, we happened to go to the national team, and uh, thank God we played for a couple of years. And uh, yeah, the rest has just been a very good journey. Yeah. Oh, okay. So how? What would you say was? How did you prepare your mind when you got into the to the club scene? First of all, uh, so that you can stand out. What? How did you adapt? What did you do? Um, I know yes, there's the normal things you train hard, you make sure you yeah. know you're showing up and stuff. But what was your kind of like your roadmap? What was it that you decided that you're going to do that you can stand up? Uh, for me, the first thing uh, I, I always put God ahead because mm-hmm. ever since I come from a, a Christian background, mm-hmm. so one thing I put God ahead because everything you do, you do for Him. Why not for His strength? I've not been able to to get where I am right now. Then the second thing I did was actually evaluate all the players because I was playing flank 
if you look at the flankers then those guys were malicious yeah <laughs> they were really 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 rough and yeah. uh, here i am from from high school so they already have a, a an advantage over me because their bodies are conditioned and all that mm-hmm. so uh, my dad i told my dad you know i'm playing for this club and i have a can- knowledge that is yeah. good leakage yeah. and for you teddy what how was it at the club scene what did you use how did you get selected to the um, national i'll give you an eight the, uh, i'll give the 80 point rule to explain it mm-hmm. like um it's it's 20 percent what you have and 80 percent what you're willing to go and look for okay like uh, I had, uh, I had the step. I had the the offensive side of, of things, but I wasn't a very good defender. So mm-hmm. uh, those are the things that I really had to go and look for. But the eighty percent of the things that you have to go look for to be to become a, um, a regular feature in the national team are mostly mental. The mental side of the game was something that was really, really uh, hard to to nurture. Yeah. But it was it was the things that you really had to to get to to get to to be able to compete in that level. Because mentally, if you're strong, that means you're gonna work well. You're gonna eat well. You're not gonna be partying all the time. <laughs> if mentally you're strong, you're gonna uh, have the work ethic to to do what needs to be done. Mm-hmm. get to that level and uh, i remember at some point i was really struggling in my uh, in the national team because at some point i wanted to let to let let down and let let my gut down and let go mm-hmm. <laughs> and i remember i had friends like brian nicoli uh, peter ochola who we really hung out a lot and we talked uh, so much about the game so much about uh, the need to work the, the, the need to get things right Sydney uh, Ashoya as well. But my breakthrough, the real breakthrough came when I, I, I changed the way I was approaching the game. And mm-hmm. that came after having a chat with the Rombo and Godo Manampio. Mm-hmm. So they would see the, the 20% of what I had, the technical, uh, the good pass, the good step, the good kick. But they would nurture me mentally to the things I was not getting, like um, how to approach a game, how to approach certain situations, mm-hmm. okay, and how to make them work for myself and for the team. And that really helped me ex- explode in the world scene from the Commonwealth Games. Yeah. And I uh, remember during that time when I'd go back, Rombo would always be like, hey, you need to work on this. You need to work on your upper body strength. You need to work on your lower body strength. And you see, mentally now, I need to go back and, and put the time in the gym and be ready for the next tournaments. And uh, you'd find that that is when the, the, our Kenya Sevens, mm-hmm. our, our training modules was changing just before yeah. the professional, <laughs> in quotes, when uh, uh, Godin Kimani came in and actually transformed the national mm-hmm. team. Uh-huh. You see, the way we used to train is not the same way the new generation was training them. Uh-huh. The police in Jera, the 
Kayangis. Kayangis. Kayangis was there before. Konis Nijera, Ambaka, Amonde was also there. But the way Kimani transformed them is what you were lacking. You know? And uh, so individually, we, we had to adapt, train on your own, do gym sessions <laughs> with Opong and, 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 and Aimba. <laughs> And wow, was, was, that was intense. I can actually think. I can actually think how they are as, as individuals, and then having them train you, and talk thinking about if I, if I if I have to go back, go back way back to how my selection came to to be was when I was in high school. I played in the, in the local circuit. I was mm-hmm. still playing for Kisumu. I was the vice captain of Kisumu. Kisumu, when I was in primary school, yala. And I was lucky enough to catch the eyes of the selectors. So you see, Kenya Rugby Union has a has a bunch of selectors who look at the player base that is available in the country, and they try to pick out the new talent that is coming out. Mm-hmm. And uh, you'd find when the new talent catches the eye of the of the scouts, it's now upon them to follow the players over two to three, four years. And, and try to see if they are a good fit for the national team. Okay. And, uh, luckily enough, I when I was picked from high school, I I immediately went to Impala after 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 my high school and uh, got called up with Bill Kidinji uh, for the national team by by Bill Kidinji the national team. Just okay. the same Brian joined us later on. Wow. So kind of stand up. Actually, I think the selection process and um, you know the scouting because I, I think a lot of us in don't really see the behind the scenes, don't understand how it all comes together. We just see you on the field, um, and probably it's a process and uh, nobody yeah. just wakes up to be in the national team you exactly. can ensure in the when when um, secondary school games are being played there'll be a pool of players who be identified during the secondary national secondary schools tournaments be it sevens or fifteens is that the flooding is it no 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 no, 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 no. high school no. national secondary schools games okay are from three from four Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Yes, from there, a pool of selectors just identify raw, upcoming talent, and I think Brian was part of it. There was many people from Kakamega. Makaka, Makaka was was in any was in Musimu. Yeah, but now you see, but now you see when these national high school games are being played, you actually see the raw talent. And you can actually now start to identify who are the players we want to look up to in the next three to four years. Who are the next players want to follow up three to four years? That oh, was wow. the system then, then, and I think right now it's still ongoing. Okay. And now you see the difference is right now, when they identified Ali, their perspective is not club rugby, like Team okay. 1 of Impala or Team 1 of, uh, of Kenya 7s, of Kenya 15. Their mm-hmm. perspective is uh, Kenya under 20. 
Yes. So they are they are they're being given something to work towards. If they are very very good enough to play with the with the senior men's, why not? If they're very very good enough to go play in in KCB or Harley Queens or in Impala, why not? Mm-hmm. But there's a process that they have to go to because you have to remember right now, uh, players player development is not the same way it was 15, 18 years ago. That's when us were playing. We were doing gym maybe once after six months. But you see, right mm-hmm. now, uh, players in Kenya Cup are doing gym. They're very strong. And you don't want yeah. a high school player who just finishing high school in December to be playing with the, with the, those bodies of KCB in, in January. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So you put them through a process of development that when, uh, when they are mature enough and strong enough to avoid play, avoid player injury, injury they can play yeah. with the, the seniors. Mm-hmm. And I think that is that's um, an amazing, um, how can, I can say for those who've gone before who developed the game to see the change that needed to happen. Because yeah, when you're young and you're already starting to play for the Kenya team, like you say, you need a transitional period. And and I think also that's what happens with teams like in Fiji. You see that they they have that and in Australia as well. And how, looking now, if you compare the the two the changes that are happening, what what are the things that you you feel are really working for for Kenya in in, in terms of the transition? Um, one of the things that I can say for since I've been in that setup for quite a while right now. I think the, the fact that uh, we are starting to accept um, for rugby to grow, there are some sacrifices you have to make, especially like uh, the way Teddy has talked about conditioning. Mm-hmm. How we used to do conditioning, it's, it's way different from what guys are doing right now. If I speak for uh, about my club, yeah. like we, we train every single day. We are doing gym. So you can imagine, um, you have to adapt to that uh, if you if like myself i grew up in the in a different era but through through the years i've been able to adapt to what is going through and the people that actually have been with me as well we have been able to adapt and go with the times when times are changing you go with them because right now it's the rugby has become i can say it's more physical mm-hmm. and uh, if you're not physically prepared <laughs> things are going to be a bit tough and then also the mental aspect because you see like now the current coach of the simba's team polodera for him he also has something called emotional intelligence because you have to get yeah. to know where the players are mentally you know exactly. you know rug- rugby has gone from that uh, state where you just walk from your house come train and play because you must be you might be having some underlying issues mm-hmm. that is not actually getting you to play to your optimum you know so we need to understand that and see how is how is brian uh, how is he is he mentally okay at home for him to be able to give us his 100 uh, percent when he comes for training so I believe right now the clubs are really trying and even mm-hmm. the national team uh, the national teams are actually really trying and that's why you can see the transition the transition in 15s where we're getting even foreign coaches who come yeah. with different different ideas of what really happens like in my era when we had uh, Jerome Powers for me I think that that was the best time uh, 15s ever grew in Kenya because you see he used to it was literally like a copy paste kind of thing we used to do exactly what uh, Stormers and Western Province used to do. That is like a 
a quarter of what the box team does. So for us, it, it, it actually changed how we viewed games. And by the time you play games, you actually understand it. it's more the games only. Uh, it's not only just about winning and uh, beating your opponents all that. There's so many components, you know, that actually mm-hmm. when you combine all this, it brings out a complete player. So I think, yeah, I think slowly by slowly we are getting it. And uh, the mm-hmm. only challenge we're facing in, uh, in uh, I can say, this part of uh, the world is uh, not many companies or not many people believe sports can become a career. Yeah. And that's why you see we're trying to juggle. Like, I have to work. And then yeah. it gets around 4, 4.30. I'm struggling with traffic all the way to go for training. You train till 8.30. You come to the house, you're tired. And, and like Ted, where now he's a coach, like for him, he'll wake up, he knows, I've planned ABCD for my players. So when the time the players are going there, they just know today, I'm going to do ABCD. By the time it gets to five, I'm going home, I'll have completed whatever uh, my coach wants. You know? So there's a big difference. So if this part of the world can really uh, transition in terms of accepting sports as a career, I think we can get good sponsors who will be able to actually sponsor yeah, the different uh, yeah. national teams and assist, you know, and then people can be able to say, okay, yes, I have studied, I have my papers, but right now I want to focus on sports. Mm-hmm. When I finish my sports, I'm going to dust my degree and then get a job that actually is going to just keep me surviving till I'm mm-hmm. Yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'm grateful that you touched on that because I think that was the one thing I noticed because I started going for rugby uh, tournaments around the world and I saw and I used to speak to players and fans and you get to understand oh wow they really have dedicated time finances and even manpower in terms of resources um in 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 shaping what they want and to create because I remember like the Canadian team in 2007 where they were, I mean, used to, I was like, wow, you know, they are coming up. But where they are now, especially in seventh, uh, it's it's totally different, and they changed their way of, uh, you know, of looking yeah. at the sport itself. So yeah. in the West, they yeah, are definitely P- rugby players. That's the only thing they do. They don't have to work. Yeah. As a even, even even you've gone very far. Like uh, if you can ask Teddy. If you look at uh, when we were starting to play in sevens and then maybe a few years, we used to beat this America team like like children. You know, exactly. we could even we could actually beat them blindfolded. But right now, you can see the amount of effort they've put in, in terms of uh, sponsors, in terms of finances and everything. It's and then also their league, their league has changed. The Premiership League right now there's money, you know, so it it actually forces people to actually know this is a sport that you can actually survive. Yeah, that's that's good, and I and I can I'm I'm hoping it will get there. Like you said, we're we are starting, and we can only hope for the best, so that uh, also for Kenya, because we have amazing talent, amazing talent. I spoke to Mitch. He's um he's he he plays for uh England for sevens, and he said one. And you're saying jokingly, and you say, oh, you know, when we meet Kenya, we always fear them, but we know where to catch them, uh, and it's because this we do it all the time with our friends. This is the only thing we do, and I and I it made me think, and it's always been one of those things. I was like, I wish I had money, you know, Kenyan team. It's where I'd, I'd drop all the cash for <laughs> to see it grow because it's been a passion for me, and um, it frustrates me honestly when I see 
how things are and but kudos i i've seen a lot of things have changed even discipline wise i remember yeah. when we spoke for london sevens or when Scotland sevens were still there you know the players those you could tell you know it's 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 fun and games but when certain coaches took over Change, changes happen there was different times you had to come in there was tough you you know there's all sorts of things how you train and i think that also can build or make a break a team because the the culture is different the team culture is different so uh, yeah it's good uh, so ted when yep. you came to france what how was the culture shock were they playing the same as in kenya well how was it for you no first i was in the uk i was in the university of glamorgan Yeah, you remember that I met you. Mm-hmm. And um over there it was quite different because uh, the playing culture was not the same. The playing environment was not the same, so I had to adapt very very quickly because uh, you find this Kenyan who plays for Kenya Sevens who runs very very fast. But in Kenya he plays flyer, he's a playmaker, but here in in Wales if you're running fast, you go run fast. Uh, I was from the wing. I go run, run, run fast on the wing, and I had to adapt and then change uh, my playing style, my understanding of the game, and reading the game from outside and not from in the inside. Because you see, when you're a playmaker, you have to read uh, the game from inside out. But when you're out playing outside back as a winger, you're reading it from outside in, and uh, that really made me. Uh, made me go looking for a lot of a lot of resources uh, in terms of uh, knowledge and how to read the game how to approach the game and how to make a difference from from the outside mm-hmm. and the uh, the weather was very very unkind <laughs> i was in the wheels i was in the i was in wheels in the in the valleys and it was very very cold like yeah. my first winter when somebody threw a ball at me i felt like they're throwing a stone and i had to catch a stone and i was not, i'm not used to catching a stone i'm used to catching a ball and um it took me some time and i actually adapted well afterwards mm-hmm. and uh, from there i got a contact with the racing metro mm-hmm. and there as well was very very different the french rugby playing culture was quite quite different uh, the approach was was uh, was there's a lot of time spent on on paying attention to detail yeah and since it was professional rugby mm-hmm. i had to really really uh, work on my fitness my team you know and bulk up that was quite hard in Kenya was training four four times a day once a day and yeah. you find yourself in France training three times a day sometimes four times a day including uh, board sessions and video sessions Sorry, I, I can't hear you properly and um, I'm saying uh, in France I find myself training three to four times a day mm-hmm. And that was quite hard because you find yourself doing gym, doing field work, doing rugby, doing board sessions or video sessions. Uh, that was quite, quite hard, quite tough mentally. And uh, I had to adapt as well because I was alone. I was all alone. Yeah. <laughs> I was all alone. You know, anybody didn't know any French. 
but uh, what helped me adapt was the fact that there were a couple of foreigners with whom we we made our own clique and we, we talk about these things with, uh, with support each other mm-hmm. yeah. There is a, I'm, not, I'm not sure where it's coming from, so I, uh, probably I did, we didn't catch the last part. Uh, but um, I think what I picked up was the training three or four times a day. I mean, that, that yeah. is crazy. <laughs> I don't even know if I'd survive kind of that and also not learning the, uh, the language, culture-wise. And also, I believe the time you actually went there, not many people, in fact, in Kenya, don't know many Kenyans who are playing professional rugby. Uh, no. So I, I guess you're one of the few people basically. Yeah, apart from uh, Rombo, uh, Lucas Onyango, uh, Benjamin Naimba, and Oscar. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God. Myself in France uh, then, I think at Amich and then uh, Amich as well and then yeah. uh, Ambaka followed through mm-hmm, that's true and so far I think Ambaka is the last person I've had a thing professionally yeah yeah and I think and I think that um, it is difficult because you know even though you're sharing for example with Brian yeah, as you are understand the different so what how did you really adjust what kept you going because i believe even from, from a male perspective it will require a lot of representing myself and everybody else no wonder you call yourself the village hero <laughs> no. <laughs> no 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 the village hero is a is a is an inside joke i know i know but i i, I have to uh, the boy from Dunga coming to conquer the world it's true and if you we can joke we can say it's a joke but honestly Teddy, it isn't when you think about how it's so difficult to make it here and um, I used to play hockey in high school and I came to England and I started playing and I actually got to play a team and it, it, it was going so well and we were trying out how but I, I struggled because I didn't know anyone who was doing what I was doing I, the weather is in itself. I, I just felt all kinds of opposition, and I, I have to say, I didn't, I didn't speak it out. And I, I, I faced a little bit of difficulty, but I was like, you know, I'm not going to speak it out. Oh, was taking it out and taking it out, and now you're cool. So transition foreign country that has to make so how what did you do that or what when can say okay I want to be a coach what um the first thing you have to do is learn the language mm-hmm. that is in France and uh, in Wales, the first thing I had to do was learn their culture. Yeah. What is their rugby playing culture? How do they like to play? 
then I learned the way they play is different according to the season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they play differently that. in spring, they play differently in, in, in winter, and they play differently in the summer, mm-hmm. depending on, 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 on how it's raining, how it's cold, how, it's, it's, uh, how the fields are. So you have to learn that very, very fast, very, very quickly. And it, and, and it started with the little things that you do during the week. As you prepare mm. for the games, you really have to understand the why. So why is this being done like this mm-hmm. and not like that? Why is it being done the other way that you're not used to? And used to. and and, mm. uh, and that really, really helped because you see in in Kenya sometimes like the game can evolve around you because mm-hmm. you're the hero, you're the star. <laughs> yeah. But you come to an environment where at some point you have to be very very patient to get the ball. Mm-hmm. You get touched the ball three or four times in a game in 80 minutes, and it's very, very frustrating. Mm-hmm. But you have to find other ways of making the team perform, you know. Yeah. But uh, when it comes to, when it came to France, uh, the language was a very, very important thing to learn because learning the language means you understand the other players, you understand the the, the playbook, you understand uh, the what is asked of you. And the expectations mm-hmm. uh, day in day out and every week and you actually understand uh, the the team next to you because there are some calls you really have to to, to understand what's happening and, and and be able to to connect and communicate that's true that's true and the amazing thing about the both of you is you you rose up to be leaders very quickly um like Brian when you think about that that's not small because it it it's hard work and you connected so Brian how was it being a leader in that way and also being a leader when there was a lot of change in team Oh. So, could you talk about that? Um, uh, thanks for that. Uh, I, I'll be honest. <laughs> I think the one, one, one of the things that I have done in my life that's the hardest is actually leading people. <laughs> yeah, people usually think that being a captain is actually uh, a walk in the park. <laughs> Everybody but, has their own needs. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The, the honest truth about being a captain is you're not only a captain in the field. There are some people who will be looking up to you outside the field, you know, like to, to try and uh, assist them when they are, things are not going right and all that. Yeah. So I remember uh, when it came time for me to become captain in the National 15th team, it's actually Jerome that actually recommended and said, I want this guy. And I remember I sat down with him and asked him, Why have you recommended me as a captain? Because then uh, Wilson Copondo was the captain and he was actually very good. And co- Wilson Copondo is my age mate, so I'm thinking. Uh, if we're in the same age group, why, why, why would he want to change that? Because yeah. he was a captain, I was a vice, so it was working well. And he told me, he told me something that I've never forgotten till now. Uh, he said, uh, Brian, there are two things that actually I've seen in you that you don't know about yourself. Number one, well, first you remind me about me. Now him, Jerome. Uh-huh. Jerome was in, was in the squad, playing squad of 1995 World Cup. He actually got injured the week before World Cup. Here he was in the playing squad. So he he told me he reminds me. I remind him of him because I have fought through so many things to actually stay afloat. That's because, true. Yeah, because of uh, you know the union 
here and there you have siasas players you have your, you have you have your own issues and all that but through all that and the, through the different changes and different coaches coming in i've still been surviving then number two he told me uh, the other thing i say it might sound a bit weird is because you are you are an unsung hero no one knows what you've done no one will ever understand what you've done but in mm-hmm. all honesty you're going to be the most successful captain so for me those words were really big and i was like hey this guy is giving me so much credit yeah. <laughs> and i know i don't i don't think either he's have it or i don't think i've seen it and he was like you will tell me so i remember by the time we we i was his captain and then the seasons went by till now 27 2016 when we had a very good season we won nine out of 10 games That's he reminded me you remember in 2012 when i made you captain what i do and i was like yeah now i'm now seeing the clear picture it's like now right now you've delivered but can i be honest with you yeah no one will celebrate you <laughs> so we laughed about it and i was like you know wow uh, it, that, it, that is yeah. painful yeah yeah i was like it's part of being and he told me that is part now of being a leader you do not do things to expect uh, gratitude from other people you do things because it's the right way to do and i have not forgotten that one till now you know do things because you have, it's the right way to do things and that's why for me becoming captain i took it to me it was more personal i was like you know i'm here mm-hmm. to help and i'm here to change the face of how rugby has been because yeah if we are to compete the the likes of namibia today we are hot today tomorrow we are cool you know if you have that's- to be consistent and beat namibia and actually be contenders in the, in the world cup we have to start changing by ourselves you know and how do you change yourself it's actually the leadership team that has been selected yeah. you know there's so much a coach can do i think this teddy can attest teddy can give you the best playbook he can tell you mm-hmm. give you the best culture and everything but you as uh, the, the players you do not have a leadership team that is actually backing him and fight and fighting for his vision there is nowhere you're going to go you know? that is true yeah That's so for me it's 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 been both good and tough Mm-hmm. Uh, good in that we've won very many games we've gone for camps longer than we ever expected i remember the fact when we went to water cup it was two and a half months no one in kenya had actually gone for a camp together for two and a half uh, months and you can imagine testosterone yeah? you are your your guys eh? <laughs> you are together for two and a half months you will get tired of each other so in that camp they were we, we fought each other Mm-hmm. beat each other up till the place now we became brothers we were like you know what yeah I, i can't do it without you i need you to win you know yeah you need me to win and then there are also bad times where you know as in you've not gotten support from the government you've not gotten yeah from so your own union but what do you do there are these fans that you actually look at every single day you meet fans that they're telling you and you're playing well you know we we, we, we we are rooting before you are after you we expect you guys to win next week so it stopped being about us and it started becoming about the fans and the, the world at large because the more we are opening doors the more world rugby is actually sending teams yeah to come to africa for us to play the more we yeah. play the more we become better and uh, i can say that's the philosophy that i was actually living with to make sure that i leave the shirt better than i found it you know i did that in sevens because when i was retiring i actually gave my shirt to i remember mitch was the coach then yeah I told, mitch, uh, i told mitch this oscar uma guy uh, is stronger than me faster than me mm-hmm. and i think it's my this is my cue for me to now retire and just focus on 15s like give this shirt to that guy oh and wow you can, what, you can see what oscar uma has done so for yeah. me i'm proud i actually left the shirt better okay yeah. 
Ah, amazing. I, I did I didn't know that. First shout out to Jerome, you know, wherever he is. Wow, wow, easy. And I think that's um the true testament also of Kenyan rugby and what I have learned about the the guys are ready to play for the game. They they say people pave the way for them and the support they got from guys and you spoke about something there earlier uh, about intelligence, and I can actually see that is being applied now. And it's about Europe. I, you can see there there was something new about emotional intelligence and picking you. And it's true. I think you might what he said about being unsung is very true because I, I, I believe sometimes in Kenya and in Kenya, we praise servants a lot to forget about the things uh, and sometimes yeah. then um, out more, you know, it's when the papers talk about the, the servants more. But I remember in your teenagers as a, as a as the captain, that's when people rose and were like 15, you chaff in Namibia and I'm still, you know, bruised up Namibia at that one point, but it's okay, um, forgive them. You know, no, 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 that's, that's life, that's life. That's life, yeah, it's life. Yeah. Yeah. I still, you know, we can be bread. it's okay, allow me. So, um, it's one of those things where I saw people now noticing the 15 team, and I was like, "Where have you been? They've always been there." But it's 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 through the hard work and your leadership. Again, you brought 15s back to the table to the you know in the sense of people talking about it, realizing and um, yeah. So kudos to you and Ted for yes. all the work you've done for you know for rugby and for um the support you've given each other honestly i didn't know i think i saw him brand that day i didn't know you guys actually really knew each other that well so now we know he was a groomsman in my wedding did you know that oh wow i didn't know that wow <laughs> if, hey. if if let, if i think if someone you see, Teddy mentioned about uh, two names. Eh? Yeah. Uh, when he was speaking about his transition. <laughs> he talked about Peter Ochola and Sidney. Yeah. If because you really want to know us, go ahead. I speak. I'm for the church. And Och. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's, a, it's fantastic how... Our, sports and i think that's what the one thing like about rugby it brings two people from two different points brings them together in a club and then they form a friendship and now it's it's one because now you have you have families you know it doesn't matter the you know the countries you're, you're both in different countries and i think that's what i love about rugby as well uh, as a you know a spectator and it's made me go different parts of this world just and i can be nasty and i remember actually when i went for the world cup 2015 i went to Cardiff and i was alone in a stadium and everybody was thinking you're so crazy how can you go? But I'm like, rugby is the only sport I can go by myself and see. And that's the one thing I've I've always appreciated about. Rugby. And you make friends from all over the world, and it it's that that brings us together um, and 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 brings out the best in us. Honestly, it's not like it's not like football, and I can say that for those who are football fans, I am. 
uh, I can say that because I go to uh, football games, it's not the same. There's there's something special about rugby. Through your stories, you can see why it, it's kind of phenomenal how you guys, your careers have grown, and now where you are, it's it's fantastic. And for you, Brian, especially when you think about it, you've been from when it was what it was, and now when it's it's different, and you know everyday training and yeah. how. It's, it's fantastic and great to you guys so i think in, in wrapping up what would you hope for the sport um, and probably ted and maybe you can say in kenya and also for yourself you know as a career as a manager and um, you can maybe talk about that so whoever wants to go first can go yeah yeah, let me go first and then Ted will wrap up since now you know him is a coach. We, uh, we are told to respect coaches. So for me, I think um, one of the things that I actually look forward to is a day whereby Kenya will become a contender in the world. Because if you look at Africa right now, the only thing that is stopping us from getting into that space is Namibia. For yeah. us to get to that level of Namibia, it means we have to, even our level of uh, coaching has to improve. You know, uh, we have we have players who've played for us and they're actually doing really a very good job. For example, like Ted here, of, uh, mm. of very young guys and the things they were actually doing in the field. People could not believe that this guy used to play for us and now he's a coach. He's come back yeah. with the team and the team is actually performing at Safari mm-hmm. So you can imagine if we are to get uh, good sponsors and everything and then this sponsors target someone like Ted and they tell Ted you might not actually bring him permanently but you tell Ted right we're having uh, 15s we're preparing for the African Cup we want to win it for us to go to World Cup what will it take you to come and assist us for that six months you know because this is this, this is to me this is talent that we're actually not utilizing the other that, yes the other person who speak about is also Lucas Onyango yeah and I, I want him coach yeah, he's a condition. He's a conditioning coach, and he has played this rugby to different aspects of it. You know, both the rugby league and the union. So he knows everything. So yeah. he really knows how to get players to that level. So for me, I'm really looking forward to a place where we'll be able to tap into this talent because we it's it's by their hard work that they have to where they are. So we just want that talent to come back, and then they are at least able to nurture us with the way yeah. France is playing, with the way the conditioning level is out there. And I think we can start now competing, as opposed to just winning one-one games and being one-one games. Sure, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll make it second nature. So that is what I'm looking up to. And I think also uh, I'm looking forward now because I'm also transitioning into the next phase of life now, becoming a coach. And uh, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to actually sharing ideas now with uh, like Teddy, there's uh, Lucas and the like. You know, sharing ideas to see how best can we transform this animal called Kenya rugby. Yeah. Because I'm 100 percent sure when they win, all of us that took part to eat will feel it. No, no. That's true. That's true. Yeah. 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 Fantastic, and I wish you all the best. But that's great. I do. I'm happy about that. And, you know, actually, I feel proud because I I know all three of you individually, and um, to see how much passion you have for for the game and the respect you also have for the game is is phenomenal. I think sometimes we forget that um, you know 
I think some people see it as just it's rugby, you know, it's this but but there's a lot of respect and there's a lot of commitment and man hours that we put and yeah, for me too I'd love to see Kenya have you know, academies and with grassroots and we can we can nurture because I see it here when I go for the club games and you see kids who start playing rugby from high school you know and it it matched that way the same way it's just as football and it's, it's something i pray and hope that i, I will see in my lifetime um I mean, so i'm sure i will see it in my lifetime and wait to grow so that we can compete like you said with the likes of yeah, South Africa. We we are producing. We have amazing talent. So great to be nurtured. Yeah, that would be great. So Ted, over to you. Ah uh, well, um, I would like to be a future where we are grown enough to let or put aside our egos. Mm-hmm. And um, and put the interests of the, of the game forward because mm-hmm. there are many many things that needs to be done. There's a lot that needs to be done, and COVID has put us on a zero starting ground. Yeah, and I believe that uh, there's there, there's so many things that we, that can we can get done as a union or as a people who love the game, either the supporters, the players, the coaches stakeholders all the way until the high school teachers the, yeah the, the inter-class supporters <laughs> <laughs> that uh, you can put so much and actually develop the game and it starts it starts from that yeah you know? and uh, there's a long way that uh, we need to, to get to and having coached or being a coach here the experience that I've had over the over the years i've not done anything yet to be honest but seeing what i've seen uh, there's so much that we can do as a, as a country there's so much you can do as individuals and i'm currently working on a program mm-hmm. on an exchange program where we can actually exchange this know-how between mm-hmm. our two countries between france oh, and nice. france. Uh, that's where i am so i know we have been trying to benchmark what we do as a union to South Africa, which is good. Yeah. And I love the effort of uh, the current officials who are doing that. And the biggest club, I think, at the moment, who are actually reaping the benefits of uh, this this kind of exchange program, I think it's KCD. Mm-hmm. And um, I can honestly tell you, that's what most of these um countries that developing countries are doing you'd find uh my club we have a couple of um south africa under under 17 under 20s who come to train with us six to seven times in in the week for two weeks and they go back we have a couple of australians who come here and i remember a very long time ago we used to have uh, inside running programs like players who go to to New Zealand to learn to learn and play the game for about six weeks, and I think we had a player from Maseno called Dan Monga. Yeah. yeah. Uh, these kind of programs are very very rich, very very. Uh, they open our eyes on how the different ways or different approaches to the game. 
and I would I would not only limit it to players, but I would open it up to to coaches. That's coaches true. Come here, see how it's done. Uh, go to another country, um, Canada, US, whichever. Just see how it's done. The yeah. more we exchange, the more we 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 see how other people run the game, play the game, how they approach the game. We need to actually adapt it to what we need on the ground. That's true. Because we are Kenyans and we don't want Kenyans playing like uh, South Africans or Kenyans no. playing like French. <laughs> you know, uh, by the time uh, a French player is playing for his national team, he's touched the ball for over 15 to 20 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> by the time me, I, when by the time I was touching a rugby ball, I was 14 years old. That's the first time yeah. I saw a rugby ball and touched a rugby ball. Yeah. But when I was playing professional, although I was signing my contract with the, the same player, same age in my club in Racing Metro, mm-hmm. he's played rugby since he was six years old. So yeah. see, he had six, seven years ahead of me, you know. But it's not because of his might, but the systems that have been put in place mm-hmm. that actually help him access to a ball, access to a coach, mm-hmm. you know. How many high school uh, coaches do we have? Many. Exactly. How many primary school coaches do we have? Not very, very many. And what can we do as a nation to actually expand these programs yeah. to regions that actually need it, to regions that actually develop the game? And you've, you've said something that is really phenomenal about the grassroots starting from primary school, high school. Because, um, you know, like Brian said, uh, and you said a few times, still, you know, people see rugby as a pastime, something you just do. They don't see it as something can be a career for somebody. And that's why, you know, still we're struggling when... Um, I remember my brothers were in Nairobi. And this is where I actually my love for rugby began. And my twin brother, when he started playing rugby, and my dad couldn't understand you know why because my, my my brother is braining physics math those are things and he would have actually born that way but my dad was not he was like no you know this is not for you he he actually went to his school and actually told the coach this guy by finding in the pitch we are going to be enemies and and i know that broke my twin brother a little bit because he loved the game so much and i and and when i think about it there's so many that is a, a thing they love, but you know we are very academic driven in Kenya. We are very. Yes. Uh, yeah. Awesome talking to you guys, and I've learned so much. Jack, uh, and William, as we finish, but caring <laughs> so much. And and just- just yeah. a quick, quick mention. I've just uh, finished my my uh, master's in sports science, special special oh. mention rugby, yeah. which is an equivalent of uh, IRB level three. Awesome! And uh, I'll you'll soon see me. I've just signed a permanent contract to become a coach in, in the women's top fourteen in Stade Francais. Hey. Good stuff. Wow. So, uh, that, and that, now we'll that, talk that about the project. Um, That's some of the projects I'm actually looking forward to. So and that will be another adapting to coaching women and ladies. Women. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
you and Lucas have a lot uh, going on actually. I, I wish she was only available today because I wanted this room. But anyway, hopefully we can get people who can speak about um, the other side. But well done, Ted. That is, that is fantastic and wish you so much. So well in, in, in the new the new job that is fantastic wow that's another thing i uh, will have to sit down for another day and talk about women's rugby and women's sports actually yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hope for that because that's that's another that's another thing another goodness to display uh, but i'm so grateful to brian and teddy for taking the time uh to speak and uh, inspire i believe it a lot of for me i'm inspired and i need to inspire a lot um and not only in sports um but want to change you know um the world who want to pursue their passion in in a place where maybe it's not common not the only one um i hope this inspires them to go for it and make a difference and yeah be the difference they want to be i always tell the listeners they have to be the one if you want to see the change you have to be that thing. Yeah, you have to be the change. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, being on the show. Yeah, and hopefully I'll, I'll have you guys again. Yeah, so thank you so much. Thank you very thank much. Thank you so much. And uh, happy Mother's Day to you. And happy oh, Mother's yeah, Day happy to Mother. Teddy's wife. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And happy Mother's Day to the, to the significant women in your lives. Yes. Okay. Happy Mother's Day to you. <laughs> so that was my discussion with teddy and brian two amazing gentlemen who've just made amazing strides in their careers as rugby players and we wish them all the rest it was wonderful just chatting to them and the banter and the silliness that was over there was crazy and also being mother's day you know they had to take care of their kids um as you could hear in the background there some of them so apologies for that but you know it's life and it's during the pandemic so things have to move on uh, as a parent those who are at home you understand how it goes um but i was really inspired by our discussion and just how much respect they have for each other as friends as colleagues as um laborers in the field to 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 quit for lack of a better term and just how much um inspiration they bring forth uh, even for the game and what they hope for and i really hope that we can make a lot of strides in the kenyan rugby scene uh, both the men and the women and i can't wait to see the changes that are coming the the projects teddy was talking about as well that would be phenomenal so i really thank the two gentlemen who for their time and for their knowledge because it was it was rich and to see where they've come from and how they pushed through and how they adapted is is great so i hope this inspires you for those who are passionate about whatever it is if it's rugby or it's a it's a different sport if it's a, an idea if it's an app you want to create if it's about nature about the environment 
go for it honestly it won't be easy as you've heard uh brian and ted talk about the challenges they went through they had to you know change their mindset change even their diet and probably that's what it takes for you as well to go for your passion to change your diet you know eat right um so i hope you'll be inspired if you have any questions uh follow us on our um, social media pages on as crash cinnamon on instagram and facebook and uh if you want to email us it's crash cinnamon org uh, at gmail.com and just if you have any questions just ask whether about this episode or anything else um i love hearing from you guys and all the feedback is uh, very useful so um i hope to hear from you and uh, see you on the next episode of fresh cinnamon thank you and oh yeah happy mother's day for those um mothers around the world where it was mother's day and for those who've already experienced it like england happy mother's day for a second time anytime is good to be you know recognized as a mother as a parent so hey i honor you women and i see you